Holy fuck. Dude. AJ Green has three fucking passing touchdowns. I guarantee you I'm playing him everywhere. Wait, who did? AJ Green. Oh, Jesus. Let's see. Oh, how amazingly it doesn't look like I am. No. I'll take it. Oh, okay, I found a league where I am playing AJ Green. Okay, super. Good. How yeah. many leagues you in? Seven. Holy shit. Yeah, so I knew I was going to get ass-raped in one of them. Uh, well, I suppose if I was going to get ass-raped, it was likely to be by an NFL player. Same song! Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? And Jeff is... Who the hell is Jeff? Um, I'm so glad I get to talk about Cox. I'm really happy. Dicks. Yay. Oh, look at it this way. The first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Enough is enough, and it's time for the rundown. More explosive than a gas line in Lawrence, Massachusetts. It's the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, an intentionally offensive wrestling podcast. If you couldn't tell by that intro. I am your host, Jason Troy, once again, uh, laying low, doing the recuperating thing, and we certainly continue to wish him well and hope he'll be back with us very shortly. But I am not flying solo because the man we picked up on the side of the road to join us on a regular basis has joined me. Jeff is in the house. Jeff, what's going on? I am, in fact, here. That is the least enthusiastic intro I've ever heard. Congratulations on that one, sir. (laughs) But hey, I got something under my name, at least. Given the scope of what we got from the world of professional wrestling this week, under-enthusiastic is an understandable position to take, because it was another week of hot garbage. <sighs> so, we're going to run yeah, through... Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, we're going to run through a lot of it here, um, and we're going to try to make it sound interesting by putting our spin on it, but, uh, you know... It wasn't that interesting. Anyway, we're going to do that by starting with the segment that we like to call... The Perfect Ten! A ten! A ten! A fucking ten! All right, leading off the Perfect Ten this week, Kevin Owens continues to make zero sense. Well, at least his character makes no sense on Raw. Because right after he quit only to return the next week. He comes out this week, and we're going to get to the segment in a moment, but he comes out, he's introduced, he gets to the ring, we cut to the back for like a 15-minute segment with The Shield and Baron Corbin. Then we come back, and Kevin Owens is sitting on the top rope, looking noticeably pissed off, probably that he was sitting there for 15 minutes while they ran this segment with The Shield. But then he gets on the microphone and tells us that he was going to quit, but then they begged him to come back. 
And the only the only thing he got when they were begging him, and he was this hot free agent, the only thing he got in order to come back was that there are no repercussions for what he does to his opponents. Because, you know, other people are regularly getting charged with assault for beating up their opponents. Like, this makes no fucking sense. Jeff, what did you think? No, it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. It's literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I, I, how can you be paid to write shit like this? This is the worst. And Kevin Owens is a great character. He has, he can, you can do whatever you want with this fucking guy. And this is what you go with him? You go with, hey, yeah, no, I came back so I can beat the shit out of people and uh, they won't arrest me. They only arrest the shield. That's the only people they arrest. <laughs> it's so stupid that, like, it's so dumb. And then, like, he, didn't he talk about friggin' Bobby Lashley injuring Sami Zayn or some shit? Yeah. To, yeah. Was, yeah. Why, why does he care about that all of a sudden? Yeah, like a month after it happened, now it's a big issue for him. And we're just supposed to be like, oh, yeah, I, that did happen. I, he, he should be pissed off four or five months later. Like, I, it just, just literally him fired up and talking, it, that's the only redeeming quality. But what came out of his mouth and what was being said to tell his story made no fucking sense. Like, you've got an opportunity. Like, they, you're, you're in a position where they're begging you to come back and you can ask for anything. And it's not like anal from Stephanie or even a title shot or not. It's just... I want to be able to beat up whoever I want and not get in trouble. Because who the fuck gets oh. in trouble? Has that ever been a thing I that's just... happened? It's it's just... Oh, I don't... I mean... I mean, he fucking attacked Shane McMahon. And yeah, he almost <laughs> got fired. That's the only time like you could ever say there was repercussions for what he did. But that's because he friggin' took his neck and crushed it. Like... Yeah. Okay, maybe he starts doing that. Maybe that's his new thing. He starts crushing people's necks, and then he could be like, "Yeah, see, you can't do anything about it because you told me I could, I could do shit." <laughs> like, I, that's the only way this is. No, not even then. No, it's still stupid. We, I mean, it, it's. We talked about it last week during our discussion about whether WWE should be worried about the success of All In, and I said at that point. We consistently get intelligence-insulting storylines from this company, and this is another great example just a week later. To your point, now all of a sudden Kevin Owens gives a shit that Sami Zayn got hurt after a month of not saying a thing about it, not even going after Lashley. Um, and, and now this, like, I'm, I'm, they were begging me to come back, so I could. they had told me I'll give you whatever you want, so all I wanted was to not be held responsible for beating up my opponents. Like Tyler Breeze. Yeah, maybe they can put him against Braun Strowman again, and he can lose in a minute. Oh, but they did. They put him in the first round of the Mixed Match Challenge against Braun Strowman. So, you know, <sighs> right. there you go. There you go. That's that's a good reason to, you know, please come back. We need somebody to feed to Braun Strowman to make him look strong <sighs> again. Please. I'm just, it's so difficult to watch this show knowing. Oh. And the way you tell these stories tells us a lot of what you think about the audience. And I personally am insulted that this is what they think of me. But uh, and it's not in the perfect time, but there was an interview with Stephanie McMahon recently when she got some award for business bullshit, whatever the fuck it is. 
Um, and I asked her what makes what has made the WWE so successful, and she said the single thing that's made them the most successful is that they listen to their audience. And I laughed my fucking balls off because if there's anything this company has not done in the last decade or so, it's listen to their audience. Oh my! God. She actually said that. Yep. Oh yeah. Said cool. that with a straight face. It's she didn't cool. start laughing hysterically no, afterward. No. Like, this was probably along the heels of when she said they would start intervie- introducing LBGTQ characters as well. Right. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, we we put Finn Balor's name on a rainbow T-shirt, so I guess that's close enough. Yeah. There you go. <sighs> anyway, uh, as we move on and we talk about things that insulted my intelligence this week, let's talk about something that didn't, because there was in this heap and steaming pile of shit that was this week in professional wrestling there was one shining light there was one thing that stood out above everything else and it was Samoa Joe's bedtime story to AJ Styles we've talked about it on the show before this guy is perhaps when he's on his game as a heel he is just one of the best promos in the business and it's not really close there's there's a handful of guys who can pull off what he pulled off on smackdown this week without being hokey and and seemingly like a real legitimate psychopath um it was outstanding the the writing didn't even matter it was all about the delivery and the message and the facials and the cadence everything was perfect styles cut a decent promo earlier on in the show and then it was just a, an ether job by Samoa Joe when he grabbed that book and started reading that story. Capped the whole thing off with the cover of the book showing Joe with the championship with AJ's wife and daughter next to him. Unbelievable stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it, it's funny. It, it kind of, uh, re- the rhyming uh, reminded me, I don't know why this is, this is going off the rails a little bit, but it reminded me of the early days of the big show or giant and WCW when he was doing the rhyming, except that, you know, that Samoa Joe has some talent when he talks. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, Joe is just, he's great. Um, the bedtime story was amazing that I, I would have almost not preferred to have the corny music. I think his voice could have carried him through that. I don't, I, I mean, it was a production, so I understand why it was there. Um, but I mean, regardless of, of the bedtime, the, the the music that was in the background, I, I thought it was a great segment. Both guys, I thought, did pretty good work. I mean, AJ Styles being fired up and and delivering promos amongst his best promos. I think I think when he's fired up, it's when he has the best in ring uh, mic work. He has the best mic work when he does I don't that. Know. And, he's uh, pretty good when he's beating up John Cena. That, that's true too. Um, uh, but I, I just the only thing I can say about it is I'm uh, really disappointed. It's, it's n- this segment, this these two guys, the rivalry they have is not getting the spotlight that I feel it deserves. Oh, absolutely. This this match should be the main event of Hell in a Cell, and we know for a fact it will not be. Oh, I know. No, they're gonna they're gonna do any. Well, it's gonna be Roman and Braun, but. You know, we'll get to that later. But God, um, yeah, no, I, I really. This is one of the only s- rivalries segments that I that I can it, that I'm enjoying right now. Honestly, I could give a shit about anything else. 
You don't like the the dogs of war and the shield? No, you're right. I love that. No, I hate that. I fucking hate it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to some of that in just a little bit. But uh, and we're going to talk in our predictions about whether we think this great run by Samoa Joe will be capped off with a championship run uh, at Hell in a Cell. And uh, I'm certainly interested to see how that goes. But speaking of great talkers, we had one return on Monday Night Raw, and it was the legend Mick Foley. And he returned during a segment with Elias. And and this is apparently Elias' gimmick now. He comes out and gets interrupted by somebody who they want to have say something and cut a promo. So he's sort of like the new Dasha Fuentes um, with, (laughs) with probably less pubic hair. Um, cause she looks like she's rocking a huge bush. I'm just guessing, but yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> in any event, uh, so Foley comes out and basically cuts a promo and cuts a great promo talking about his, his history with hell in the cell and how it changed his life and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we got the revelation that he has been made the special guest referee for Strowman and Roman at hell in the cell. And the question I have, Jeff, and perhaps you can answer it, is why? Why the fuck are we doing this? That's that's, that's not a question I can answer. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I, I like Mick Foley. Um, he was fired up, delivered a great promo. It was good to see him. It was good to see him talking on the mic well, because last time we saw him as a GM, he, he was very rocky, but... He was fired up here. It and was, he, he was moving was around good. well, too. I mean, he wasn't like he looked to be moving around as well as I've seen him do in a long time. So he's obviously had that hip replacement surgery, which seems to have worked out well. Absolutely. Yeah, he was all he was walking all around the ring. He was getting in uh, Elias's face. Uh, I mean, I, why, why is he? I, I think it's just uh, it was a ham handed way to, I think, to it was like a desperate, ham-handed way to get people to be like, oh, yeah, now I want to watch Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns, because Mick Foley's there. But, but okay. And, I mean, no, so, go ahead. So here's my issue, and we talked about intelligence insulting writing, okay? The last time we saw Mick Foley, he was getting his ass kicked by Triple H and fired by Stephanie McMahon, and he comes back... And Stephanie's like, oh, hey, nice to have you back, Mick. How about I let's let you start making matches again? And, oh, by the way, you want to be a referee? Oh, sure, you can be the referee for the match. Why? It makes no fucking sense. None. Zero. Unless, and the only only fucking scenario that this makes sense in is if Stephanie has blackmailed or coerced Mick into screwing over Roman Reigns for some reason, for getting his job back, for whatever, I don't fucking know. And that's why she's placing him in this match. Because that's the only fucking reason that would make any sense or save any legitimacy of this. Yeah, but I mean, even at that point, it would make Mick Foley look like an asshole for even believing anything Stephanie would say. Um, Because she screwed him over so many times. I mean, going back to the Attitude Era, even. um, Yeah, but if there's one thing we know about wrestling, it's that faces are dumb. Well, yes, of course. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's what I was saying. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, sticking to the theme of just doing things for reasons, why would he be able to make a match? Like next week, can Eric Bischoff come out and make a match? Because he used to be a general manager too. Sure. Like, is that a thing now? Why not? It's just, I was glad to see Mick. 
it was just another segment for me that I just didn't care about at the end. Yeah, it was just like I said, it's just another one of those ones that they they put no care into. They don't show any um, consistency. They don't like. It's almost like they hire a different group of writers every couple of weeks, and they don't tell them to hey go watch what we've been doing because it's just yeah. it jumps from one thing to another there's no continuity to ca- we, were, we spent weeks building the revival up they weren't even on tv this fucking week i, I mean it's just i don't fucking know what we're doing here i really really don't um but that's not the only thing where i can say i don't know what the fuck we're doing because on monday night my man bobby lashley my man you know, he's my man. Uh, he was working out in the back, you know, because most of them do that. They bring dumbbells with them and work out in the back. Um, and while he was doing that, the 26-year-old piece of gold from 205 Live, the man of the hour, Leo Rush, shows up to give him advice on how to... First of all, is there anything more fucking laughable than scrawny little Leo Rush giving Bobby Lashley advice on how to lift weights? Because that made me laugh in and of itself. Um, but this is the second week in a row we've seen a 205 Live personality be sort of introduced into a manager's role for a main roster person. Now, a report came out this week that this is being done in an effort to help save floundering acts on the main roster. Now, I will grant you that Bobby Lashley was floundering on the main roster. And I will grant you that AOP was floundering on the main roster. However, I don't think that the reason they were floundering on the main roster was a lack of a manager. Well, first off, you took the fucking manager away from AOP, so let's get that straight right off the bat. But I think the reason they're floundering on the main roster was a complete lack of intelligent story writing and a complete lack of focus on their characters. Bobby Lashley was very hot when he was feuding with Roman Reigns, and people thought, hey... This guy's going to be a main event star. He's going to move up to the top of the card, and we're going to have something new and fresh up there. And the result was, no, it's just going back to Roman. And now we got oh, Lashley. Lashley's going to go to doing um, meditation with Jinder Mahal. And, and, and they, he was good on the mic then, too. And, and we wonder why they can't get over. It has nothing to do with needing a manager. It's Fuck. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, in the, in the sense of it, AOP, I think Drake Maverick, Drake Maverick will help him if he stops wearing the same goddamn outfit as them. At he least needs to it, stop that. At least it was just a tank and not the full tactical vest this week, so there was a slight improvement. Yeah, maybe he'll slowly start transitioning to his old costume and just wearing a suit. But as much as Drake Maverick will help them, wouldn't Paul Ellering have helped them just as much, if not more? Yeah, I think that ship has sailed. They were just looking for stuff. They were just it looked like a desperation. Who's good on the mic that we can throw with AOP? Oh, but, yeah, that little British guy. Throw him in there. Well, right, but if the lack of um if the lack of a manager was what was holding them back, then who do you fucking blame for that because they had a manager. They had a very good manager and you fucking took him away from them week 1. And then I know. followed it's that up by ludicrous. sticking them on fucking main event and then disappearing them for a couple months. Well, shit, no wonder the fans don't catch on to them. No wonder they're floundering. The complete lack of self-awareness of this company is just goddamn astounding at how bad their creative is. It really is. I know. It's it's ridiculous. It really is. It's, uh, I mean, Leo Rush, 
seems pretty decent on the mic, at least what I've seen on 205 Live. Yeah. Um, no, and again, but, don't get me wrong. I think Leo Rush will be great in this role, and I think he'll he'll be great for Lashley if this is part of a heel turn for Lashley in much the way MVP was for him back in Impact. Um, yeah. But, but the point is, it's a, it's a change that wasn't necessary. Oh, no, not at all. And uh, I don't know if you saw Leo Rush's Twitter. He put a little Twitter video out there, too, where he was talking to Bobby Lashley on the phone more about being at the gym. Oh, Bobby Lashley, you're at the gym again? Oh, oh, you make sure make sure you do more reps and lightweight, more reps and lightweight. He's, like, still telling him how to lift weights. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and th- that's not how you're going to get us to be like, oh, yeah, this guy, he, he knows what he's talking about. You should definitely – he should be managing the, the giant hulking – black man um it's i don't know i mean if bobby lashley has a motivated reason to be in a feud he's good on the mic and doesn't need the mouthpiece if you're giving the mouthpiece to have shitty feuds what does that say about bobby lashley i i I don't (sighs) so here's where i struggle because part of me really, really wants to see a good program between Kevin Owens and Bobby Lashley. Kevin Owens has firmly entrenched himself as a heel. And now he's feuding with a guy who's got a a little shit talk, a shit disturber, heel, as his mouthpiece. So are we going heel on heel here? Because I, yep. I don't fucking know what we're doing here. This Again, I this is a recurring theme this week, but it makes no fucking sense. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? The, the options are heel against heel. You have Leo Rush. What, I mean, what if he stays heel and Bobby Lashley stays face? What You're not going to have Leo Rush turn face because, what, is he going to be a, a cocky face? Like, that doesn't especially the way he talks on the mic, like, it doesn't make any sense. I can't imagine him being that great. I, I mean, I haven't seen him as a face on the mic, but I can't imagine him being that great as a face on the mic. And you're not going to turn Kevin Owens' face. That's just dumb. No. Especially with what you just did with him this week. So, it, you're right, it makes zero fucking sense. It does. And the the other part of that is you got a situation, and, and to be fair, Drake Maverick has been essentially a face on 205, and now he's with a heel tag team. So they've sort of done this with both guys, where the personas they reflect on 205 Live, they're now putting them managing personas on the other side of the aisle, which is really fucking strange. Um, yeah, you could have switched managers. Yeah. Just switch I, them. I just, it, you this... could have Bobby Lashley hitting Drake Maverick and knocking him over and calling him my man. <laughs> This is just a scenario where we fucking break them, and then we call some Hail Mary and say, we're, oh, well, we're going to fucking fix them now. Like, they didn't need to be fixed if you didn't fucking break them in the first place. How much do you want to bet there's going to be a segment that Leah Rush gives Bobby Lashley good advice, and Bobby Lashley hits him on the back and says, my little man. <laughs> uh, you it's, know it's going to happen. I'm sure it is. It, it's just, I... Ugh. You know, I've said it in the past, I'm getting dangerously close to just being done with the raw product entirely. Like, SmackDown, I can still get into. The product I get on Raw is just so mind-numbingly intelligence-insulting that I I have a really hard time watching it at this point. 
it's like I gotta watch it with three other things going on to not be completely fucking annoyed by what they're what they're telling me. And and I've said it before: the way you present your show says a lot about what you think about your audience. Yep. But, all right, moving on from that annoying piece of shit to a different annoying piece of shit. Um, Pre Bella and Maurice, we completely wasted the main event of SmackDown from somebody that might have done a better job with it. But luckily, Daniel Bryan and The Miz were there to save it. Uh, so for those who don't know, they portrayed as though we're going to have a match between Brie and Maurice, um, which is a match that uh, no one was waiting for. Um and Maurice comes out, and they do their intros, and they get ready to lock up, and Maurice does old Kevin Owens-style heel work, just bails out of the ring as soon as the bell rings before they lock up. And they go back and forth and do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and then they, Brie finally gets a shot in on Maurice, and she's pinning her. And uh, I'm just banging my head against the wall at this point. Uh, and then we get good, because the Miz pulls, Daniel, pulls Brie Bella out of the ring, and... Daniel Bryan just fucking unloads on him. Like, in a way, and I talk about insulting intelligence insulting product on Raw. This is exactly how I would expect a man to react if another man put his hands on his wife. This was not intelligence insulting. This was relatable and humanizing and understandable and simple and logical and it went outstanding from there on. It turned into a giant Pier 6 brawl. They all went after each other to end the show. I thought this was fucking great. And even though I'm not super excited for this match at Hell in a Cell, I can say this segment did more than some of the stuff, some of the build to this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't disagree with you there. Um, I, I will say I think the reason this was better is because in comparison to a lot of the other stuff that was on the past two days <laughs> before it, um, you didn't have much to compare it to. I think it was, I mean, the match obviously itself was a, is a sloppy mess. It was a sloppy mess. But um, uh, Miz trying to call off the match and Brie Bella calling Maurice and Maurice a coward. I mean, she's just she's just horrible on her delivery. Um, but and Miz, her suicide I mean, dives. He was all fuck. Oh God. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. At least the suicide dives provide some entertainment. Um, but Miz, Miz was great on the mic. Um, I mean, this is this was my most anticipated feud, uh, feud but it's cooled down. I, st- I still think quite a bit. Yeah. But this segment did did do something to, to at least get me. I, I mean, I'm I'm not that excited to see it. Like anymore, I mean, I'm, but, I'm, I'm not fully erect, but this segment made it move a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it, I thought it was hilarious how when Brie put on the yes lock, she really, really stuck her fucking leg out there for Miz to pull on. She re- like made it really obvious. She stuck it like under the ropes. And then when Miz pulled her out, he he might have pulled her out a little bit too hard. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. She ended up slamming on the butt. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was quite funny. Yeah, which um, is, which sort of makes you wonder suicide dive she ever did. Which sort of makes you wonder if uh, Daniel put a little extra sauce on some of those shots because they looked a little stiff. <laughs> yeah, they did look a little stisky. <laughs> they were a little <laughs> rough. Um, but uh, no, I thought it was it was good. Mrs. Heel tactics to get the upper hand was good, and um, I mean Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella standing tall. Um, I mean, I just. I mean, it's basically this is this is what the match is going to be. It's going to be what we saw in the ring. 
So we don't really have that much to look forward to as, as in terms of what will it be? How, how will it go? I mean, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be this exact like situation where they're just going to be beating the shit out of each other. Miz is going to try to, you know, play his little heel tactics, run away, cheap shots. But I mean, I, I hope, I hope I'm just saying that and that it's actually going to be a good match, but Brie Bell is in it and somebody will probably die. <laughs> uh, spe- oh. We'll talk about people maybe dying Sunday a little bit later on. Uh, so, we got uh, an interesting match on Monday Night Raw as Natalia teamed up with Ronda Rousey to take on the team of Alexa Bliss and Mickie James. Now, this match uh, featured a tribute to Jimmy and Neidhart as they did as Natalia and uh, Ronda did the heart attack finisher. Uh, not as a finisher, mind you, but they did it as a finisher. They did it as a move in the match. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that I really took away from this was when Ronda was forced to be sort of the underdog and sell her injury a little bit, she wasn't as good as she has been in the past where she was sort of playing a dominant badass. And I feel like this is an area of her character that she really needs to develop um, because there, she can't just be going out there and destroying everybody all the time. She needs to be able to sell and put other people over. And I don't think it's the lack of wanting to. I think it's just a lack of experience in doing it. Um, but I'll be interested to see how this plays out uh, going into Sunday, because this was clearly done as a way to sort of, after watching Alexa get dominated at SummerSlam, uh, this was clearly sort of a way to level the playing field in people's minds and, and make ronda a little less of a favorite yeah um i mean she really hasn't had to sell that much except for uh well what she needs is nia Jax just ragdolling her again so she doesn't really have to do that much selling it's just she just gets thrown around right um but if i mean that was i mean that was the main or her getting thrown she gets thrown into the barrier like a champion I can't tell you how many times he's gotten thrown in the barrier, and it's looked like a million bucks. Yeah. But I don't. I the, my question is, I, I thought she sold the ribs enough where, you know, you knew she was in pain. It it wasn't great, and I agree with you that she probably needs some work on that. But it, it, I think it did its job. Like you came out of there knowing that she had her ribs were hurting. So, but my question is, what's I, what's the point of the like i know you're why you're doing the injured ribs but is it like in reality she squashed alexa bliss right so are you giving her the like the question is are you going to give her the injured ribs so that if alexa bliss gets a couple moves on her and still loses you have a reason that rousey got hit a few times or mm-hmm. is it to make feel is it is it to make her feel like an underdog because it's it's still hard to believe that she would be an underdog after she completely squashed Alexa Bliss. Yeah, and I think my take is that I, I think the point here is to give the uh, chicken shit heel, in this case Alexa, a weak spot to sort of target to take advantage of. So she'll be getting her ass kicked and then she'll land some cheap shot onto the ribs of Rousey as a way of saying, okay, well this is why Alexa takes control and Alexa will get... Uh, some heat on Rousey for a little while, and that's going to be the thing that sort of... its not So it doesn't have to be the same just absolute dominance that it was at SummerSlam. Yeah, I think I think that SummerSlam match is 
is still in my eyes it still hurts this match because it was such a squash like if it was at least a little bit of a back and forth it would make Rhonda feel like she might actually be vulnerable but the fact that she completely squashed her it's just I think that's in like I said in my own opinion or in, in my head it still hurts this this particular match like I don't have as much I was excited to see it at SummerSlam, and then there was a squash, and now I'm not as excited to see it now, even with the injured ribs. You know, when you say things like Alexa back and forth, I get a tingle in my special place. Just, <laughs> but uh, in any event, speaking of things that give us tingles in special places, uh, there was a leaked card that is rumored to be for the uh, Evolution pay-per-view. And I'm not sure, Jeff, if you caught this. I, I posted it in our host thread. I don't know if you saw it. Um, but I will pull it up and I'll run, I'll run through the card. Uh, there is some dispute. Yep, I have it up here. Okay, there is some dispute as to whether or not it's legitimate. And I couldn't tell you. Um, there are parts of it that look legitimate. There are parts that are not, that do not. But we'll go over it. Uh, the NXT UK Women's Championship will be defended as Freya Ripley, spoiler alert, uh, takes on Killer Kelly <laughs> and Dakota Kai. That seems perfectly feasible to me as a legitimate possibility. Uh, they have an, uh, what's listed as a special announcement of some kind, which, if you follow later on in the Wait, card... Go, going, sorry to cut you off. Going back to that first match, yeah. on the one I'm looking at, it, it's a four-way, right? I, I only got a three-way. Is there a fourth person? It says Ginny. Okay. I don't know who Ginny is. Okay, maybe that... She is one of the UK women. Um, it was on. Okay. It, I mean, on mine, it has her in there. So it so could very know. well be. Um, then there's listed as a special announcement of some kind, um, which if you follow later Stephanie on in the card... McMahon. Right, which you follow later on in the card, I imagine might be the Women's Tag Team Championships. Just going to throw that out there. I would imagine so. Um, a talk show segment with Carmella and the Ladies of Glow, which would attract some mainstream publicity, so I'd imagine it's absolutely something they would do. Um, mm -hmm. We have the Riot Squad versus Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Ivory. Um, I, we certainly have something going with the Riot Squad and the Bellas at the moment. I don't know where Sasha Banks and Bailey come in. They seem, they seem to be doing a little something with the three of them before the Bellas came back, and now they're doing something with the Bellas. Um, yeah. Because they're they're trashing the Bella's dressing room in the least possible trashing way ever. Like, I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> it was fucking awful. Yep. Like, they wrote... It was. Th there was Fearless Nikki written on the wall, because I guess we are to believe that when the Bellas go to their locker rooms on the road, they have to make sure someone writes Fearless Nikki on the wall? I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Because fear Why not? The, the less was crossed out. And it was more, so it was fear more Nikki, which is what pretty much all the WWE Universe does, is fear seeing more of Nikki Bella. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that was that was awful. But I'm going off on a tangent. Uh, so anyway, but we haven't seen any <laughs> indication that Ivory will be involved here, but of course there is still time for that to happen. Uh, block your ears if you don't want to be spoiled, but the May Young Classic Finals will take place between Tony Storm and Io Shirai. Uh, there will be a 20-woman battle royal where the winner will face the NXT Women's Champion, Kyrie Sane, later on in the night. I uh, wonder where they got that idea <clears throat> all in. Um, 
Asuka will take on Ember Moon, which is actually one of the matches I would be intrigued to see on the main roster because they had a great rivalry, of obviously, in NXT. Um, Naomi I versus... Go ahead. I love that they call it the 20 women on budget battle royal. <laughs> uh, Naomi versus Melina. I'm always down for seeing Melina's entrance again, so I'm, I'm good with that. And that pairing sort of makes sense because they're both very flashy, flamboyant, colorful, um, athletic performers. So that would make a ton Shake of sense. Shake that ass. Exactly. Uh, Mickey James versus Lita, which we do know has been confirmed. Uh, NXT Women's mm-hmm. Championship match between Kyrie Sane and the women winner of the battle royal. Alexa Bliss versus Trish Stratus, which, again, we know has been confirmed. Uh, this was where it got interesting. Women's Tag Team Championship match. Alicia Fox and Kelly Kelly, because that's the thing, uh, versus the Iconics. Getting pinned. <laughs> versus the Iconics, versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, versus Beth Phoenix and Natalia. Now, of course, for those who do remember, uh, Beth and Natalia had a long run, or at least a, somewhat of a decent-sized run as the Daughters of Destruction so they do have a history as a tag team. But um, first off, we don't actually have women's tag team championships yet, so a match for them is an interesting sort of revelation. Uh, the return of Kelly yeah. Kelly is not entirely shocking. We've heard rumors about her returning in the past. Um, yeah. If they do... The, the inf- thing that bothers me about this match... Yeah. ...is... Remember back when Kurt Angle said he needs Sasha Banks and Bailey as a team? Yeah. And we made the argument that there is no tag team championship to go after. Now there maybe is, but why would you not have them in that match? Well, they, they, they have to take care of the Riot Squad. Who's going to team with? Who the fuck right, is going to team with Ivory if they're not there? That's true. You, yep, that's true. Jesus, I, I don't know what I was thinking. God damn it, Jeff. Anyway, that's certainly not Alicia Fox and Kelly Kelly or or fucking. Beth Phoenix, they they can't go with Ivory. There's no way. All I'm saying is if this match is actually the way it goes down and the Iconics do not win this fucking tag team title, I'm probably not fucking watching wrestling anymore. Um, (laughs) SmackDown women's title will be on the line as Becky Lynch will take on Charlotte Flair and what probably should be the main event of Evolution. Uh, But it won't be because the main event of Evolution will feature Ronda Rousey defending the Raw women's title match, spoiler alert for Sunday, against Nikki Bella. (laughs) But they're both faces. Oh, God. So <laughs> so let's assume for a second that this card is legit, and I certainly have my doubts, uh, not the least of which by the fact that there is no Maurice and Brie Bella match on this show, and I do think that will ultimately end up on Evolution. Um, for Maurice's sake, I hope not. What do you think of this card, if this is legit, the Evolution card? Uh, there's some stuff that's good. There's some stuff that's not so good. Uh, stuff that's good is uh, the NXT UK Women's Championship is pretty cool. I'm glad that Dakota Kai's in there. I'm glad that Ray Ripley's in there. Killer Kelly's cool. Um, the Carmella Talk Show. I understand why they're doing it, but uh, I don't think that I think that segment's going to fall pretty flat. Uh, I can't imagine too much of the WWE universe actually watches Glow. I mean, the one that are going to be in the audience. I can't imagine a lot of them is going to be like, oh yeah, I know all those people. Um, well, if you invite uh, them, they the might, because Evolution still has not sold out. So, Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> the Riot Squad versus Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Ivory. Um, I, uh, it has potential to be a good match. I just don't give a shit about it. Um, the Mae Young Classic Final will be great. Yeah. Uh, the 20-woman Battle Royal, uh, I think, will be an absolute shit show. 
but I'm picking Santina Morella. Ah, Santina. Yes. I would. Uh, her, him, and uh, Vicky Guerrero would be the last two. Yeah, I'll guarantee you, Vicky's in there. <laughs> um, Oscar and Ember Moon will be great. Naomi and Melina will be good. Mickey James and Lita should be good. I I don't know. Lita is questionable. Um, the Kyrie Sane match will be depending on who she faces. See, but I like Kyrie Sane, so yeah. I see. I'm not a huge Kyrie Sane fan. I, I I don't get the whole presentation, but that's just me. Um, the thing I like about certain aspects of this, like I like Ivory being integrated with the stars of today. I like Alexa and Trish sort of as a yesterday versus today matchup, although I still would contend that if you're doing that, if you're going that route, Charlotte versus Trish is a far better, more compelling matchup. Um, but then I look at Lita versus Mickey, and I'm like, why are we getting a match we've seen before? This is an opportunity to present sort of women's dream matches of yesterday and today. Like Sasha and Lita, to me, is a far more compelling matchup than Mickey and Lita. And you, yep. And you could do Mickey and Bailey. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be fun. That would work. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that, I think, right? I, we may but have. But I don't care. I would rather see that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why Alicia Fox and Kelly Kelly are in that tag team title match. I don't understand. Can you? Do you have any, any context of why? Have they paired together before? Is that a thing? No, not that I know of. But maybe they're just sort of like the the veterans, like the, the old... So... One question I do have, if you go back, there seems to be a lot of people putting blast on, on the term diva. Um, and if you go back to, like, there, there was a promo where Charlotte said Carmella was a diva living in a women's era. And then who mm. one of somebody fired back on, was it Maria Canellas fired back on Twitter talking about how you had to respect what the Divas did because they didn't have the same opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. I almost wonder if what we're looking at is um, setting up sort of a Divas versus the women sort of angle. And obviously, Alicia and Kelly Kelly were both prime members of the Divas era. Maybe that's the logic for that pairing. I don't know. That's fair. If they if they go with that, that would actually make sense. Um, I mean, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair will be good. And, and, and Nikki and, Dawn, Ronda Rousey, I don't think will be good. And actually, if you go into that tag team match, you have two members of sort of the new era and two members of the two teams from the Divas era. So actually, that that would make some sense. Yep, that's true. Um, and I guess, I mean, are you going to portray Alicia Fox as a, a face now again? I, I don't think it matters. That's true. Maybe That's maybe true. Leo Rush can manage her. That's also true, and she can you know scream and yell at him like she did when she was the manager for Noam Dar and Cedric Alexander and all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah why not? Let's do it. Works for me. <sighs> so all in all, it, it, would you be satisfied if that is the final card for Evolution? I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll go as far as that. I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, I'll say it's it's probably more compelling than a lot of the main roster pay-per-views I've seen, and certainly more compelling than any of the Raw shows we've seen in recent times. So, yeah, I, I'd be down. I'll, I'll definitely. I mean, I just I just think there there definitely will be some serious dud matches in that. Yeah, I, I and I'd be curious because obviously the 
Battle Royal, I would imagine, is going to have a lot of NXT influence because it is for an NXT championship match. So I, I assume that will be your Candice LeRae, Shayna Baszler, all of those, um, Bianca Belair, Nikki Cross, they'll all be, they'll be all in that run. Um, but, mm-hmm. yep. So, so there will be a spot for all of them, and it seems like most of the main roster women are accounted for, with the exception, like I said, of Brie Bell and Maurice. So, Maybe that's the kickoff match. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, so, I, I mean, seems like if that's legit that they're doing a good job of sort of getting everybody involved. Um, are there any? Is there anybody on that list from a Legends perspective that you would have liked to see on that show who wasn't on that show? Maybe Molly Holly. So, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I like I liked Molly Holly back in the day, and, yeah. and she, when she was in the Battle Royale, she still looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, who? Oh God, what was her name? The girl. She was in the battle royal, and she eliminated like way too many people. Oh, uh, Michelle that? McCool. Uh, Michelle McCool. Yes. Like she's probably she probably should be in there. I mean, I don't care as much for her, but I, she should probably be in there. Why she's is Lay, in Why pretty... is Lay Cool not in that tag team match? Yeah. If you're going divas, exactly. put put Lay Cool in there over the team of Alicia Fox and Kelly Kelly. You throw them both in the friggin' women's battle royal. There you go. I think Lay Cool was a far more influential women's tag team, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, we'll we'll see how it plays out. If that is, in fact, the main card, we'll have to sort of figure that out, and, and we'll, I'm sure we'll do previews of it as it becomes more official. But speaking of tag teams, we got a tag team title match that uh, came about in a very strange way because at Hell in a Cell, the team of Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins will face... The Dogs of War, and yes, I, I really am calling them that because that's really what their names are. Um, it's going to be, of yeah. course, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. Um, now, I don't hate this matchup. I, I actually am interested in seeing it, and we sort of got the preview of it with the way SummerSlam played out, so I think we all sort of knew it was coming. Uh, I didn't necessarily know the tag team titles would be on the line, but that's fine. Um, the interesting part of this was... WWE tried to do something subtle for once. <laughs> for a company that spends most of their time beating you over the head. So let, let me go through this scenario because this is this is what happened during the Kevin Owens entrance. So Kevin Owens waited for his match during this entire segment. Uh, we cut to the back where Dean Am- I'm sorry, where Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins interrupt Baron Corbin uh, and say that Corbin Corbin's oh, I'm going to have you kicked out of here for assault and he said, no, no, you said it was the Shield and it's just the two of us. It's not all three of us. Yeah, yeah, because ha ha. Um, to which they then say that D, uh, sorry, that uh, Corbin issued filed a false report, which would actually be impossible because they did in fact participate in inciting a riot. So it wouldn't be false because it actually happened. It was on TV. Yeah. Um, But in any event, so they accused him of filing a false report. So they say that they're going to press charges against him and they bring in an officer who is completely out of his jurisdiction for where that crime would have actually occurred. (laughs) Because, you know, fuck law. Reasons. Yeah. Um, So the S.H.I.E.L.D. bribe the general manager by threatening by offering to not press charges if they get a title match because you know they're the faces um 
But then, and this is where it got subtle, and I don't even know if you caught this, Jeff. We cut to the outside where Dean is talking to this cop that they brought in, and if you look at the name tag he's wearing, it says G. Ambrose. Yeah, I did notice that. So the insinuation, obviously, and and obviously Corbin was too stupid to read because he didn't see it, but the insinuation there being that it was a relative of Dean who was hooking him up, but but it wasn't one of those things where as he leaves, he's like, all right, I'll see you at the family barbecue. They really didn't make it a point. So unless you caught the name, you didn't even catch the logic behind it. Oh, God. And yeah, they did not make it obvious. Uh, I just happened to notice it. Um, I think the biggest question coming out of this is, what's the G stand for? That's the biggest question That's for you? all flat. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Wait. Was it, so, so is it G flat? Wow. Ooh. I'm sweating now. That was a bad joke. All right. Okay. Anyway, no. The, um, we can't this, all have giant dicks, Jeff. What can I tell you? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I gotta, I gotta try to make up for my tiny ones. So I gotta have good jokes at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I mean, I talked about it last week. I think going into this week, we kind of thought that maybe the revival would get their, get their shot back at the titles, and I was, I was a little skeptical of it, and this kind of. I don't think they're going to get that. They weren't even on the show. They're not going to get that title shot, at least for a while. And it's sad. And I don't mind this match. The match is fine. I'm sure it'll be a really good match. It'll be an entertaining, hard-hitting match. I just really... Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose were tag team champions. Not, I mean, before, before Dean's injury, right? Yes. And they were going back and who were they going back and forth with? I don't even remember. Uh, it was the bar, right? With the bar, okay. So, I mean, the, yeah, they're back as a tag team. I think it's just an excuse to. It's almost like it's uh, it's a reason to give Dima Ambrose a title because then they'll all have titles. Well, it also signifies, you know, fuck the Intercontinental title, because that shit, piece of shit doesn't need to be defended, because the Universal title's back on Raw, baby. Um, <laughs> but, oh. yeah, to me, the thing is, like, this match, like you said, it'll be hard-hitting, it'll be exciting, it'll be interesting. You know, you got four good performers in there who will put on a good match, but there's enough story here that it didn't need the tag team titles to make it better. I don't think it, the belts make this match any more or less compelling which means I think it's a spot that you could that you're taking off the B team and the revival that you didn't need to because the B team got absolutely fucking flattened in their rematch this week so um, they were run over yeah, so they're they're they're, they're, they're full on Heath Slater and Rhino at this point yeah they're clearly not a thing anymore um, but the revival like I said not even on TV but I guess that's better than being squashed on TV um, so yeah. I, I just think this was sort of a waste of the belts and and it didn't really need to be. Yeah, I, I wanted to say one more thing going on the Shield. I know we weren't going to talk about it, but I have to say, the beginning of Raw really, really, really bothered me. Because you remember how last week all the heels kind of came out and beat the shit out of the Shield? Well, this week you brought all the heels out again, and the Shield came out 
and beat the shit out of all the heels, the entire heel roster, with axe handles? Where the fuck did they get axe handles, first of all? They looked like clubs at first, but I realized they were actually axe handles. And it, it takes all the heels on the entire roster. And I, it's not that they were that relevant, but now, to me, they're just punching bags at this point. They're just, they were just out there to get beat up by three people who they saw where they were coming from. It really, really bugged me. That's all. <laughs> Did it bug you more than last week when we saw Finn Balor get just fucking punched in the gut and knocked unconscious by Dean Ambrose? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> it was just Finn Balor. Finn Balor's been, you know... At least, at least Finn Balor had a, a match. And he, he looked, you know, he, he had a match against... Well, I don't even know who he had a match against. Oh, yeah, it was... Uh, who did he have a match against? Oh, my God. Who? Whatever. Finn Balor fought I, Elias. I, oh, no. Right, right. So, no, no. It, this, this bugged me because it... You... Basically, your your heroes are only as good as your villains are. And if your villains are all worthless punching bags, how are they supposed to have any credibility at all? They don't, they're, they're all getting the shit beat out of them by three people. Nobody and nothing on this show has any credibility anymore, Jeff. I know. I know. It's just so... Uh, I was so irritated. <laughs> That's how it started. That's how it's this week started. Too. <laughs> and, and you know, you're sitting there thinking, like, okay, it's the, this is a big week. It's the return of Monday Night Football. Then maybe they'll go all out and give us something really cool. And just another horrible, horrible episode of Raw. And anyway, it's closing out uh, the the main part of the Perfect Ten with something that wasn't horrible because charlotte flair took on sonya deville on smackdown in a match that actually wasn't half bad sonya continues to get better and perform provided at least a reasonable credible opposition for charlotte and i I enjoyed the match um but following the match charlotte's making her way to the back when a fan jumps the barricade and attacks her uh only to rip off her raven black wig and her dress outfit to her little black sweatshirt to reveal the last kicker becky lynch um, Becky continues to absolutely slay it in this role. And we talked about how they were sort of presenting them at less heel and face. And Becky certainly with the heel move here, dressing up and cheap shotting Charlotte. But that's sort of become what sh- Becky's been doing. I don't know that it made or broke her. The fans still fucking went apeshit for her anyway, so it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> uh, but Becky is... Is Becky the most over-fucking person on SmackDown right now outside of Samoa Joe and AJ Styles? I think she's more over than both of them, even. Honestly. That's possible. She's definitely more over than both of them. Okay, so... The, the crowd always goes nuts when they see Becky. And, um... I mean... But this heel uh, turn has taken that to uh, another going, level. Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, every time they see her now, they go nuts. Yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to go back to the match real quick because I had a question. Uh, did you see the, the the one move where Sonya put Charlotte in the triangle and then Charlotte kind of deadlifted her up for the power bomb? Yes, and she hit her head on and her neck on the ropes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What the fuck was was she trying to like do a little like a ricochet off the ropes into a power bomb? Because she just kind of slammed her head into the ropes, and Thank I was you. like, that didn't look 
nice. No, I think it was just poor rim position. That's actually very dangerous. That could be whiplash right there. That's what I'm saying. I, I saw that and I was like, holy shit. But anyway, Becky is extremely sexy with dark hair too. So if she ever wanted to dye her hair, I'm all about it. <laughs> um, and she might be the Chris Jericho of the women's division. Because that is definitely a Chris Jericho move, dressing yourself up as one of the fans just to beat somebody up that you hate. And she seems um, to be changing her hairstyle all the time now, which is also a classic Jericho move. It is. <laughs> um, but I, the one thing I will say that I thought was absolutely – I was laughing, really. And I watched it – like I went on the YouTube afterward after they posted this, and I watched it back like three or four times after Becky put Charlotte in the disarmor. Um, and Charlotte was screaming, there was one, I, I would imagine he was an old guy in the crowd, and he was screaming, you deserve it, very slowly. And it just it was just him, and it made me laugh. Is there, if you get a chance and you watch the end of that, oh, it's it, you have to watch it. It's just so funny. <laughs> At least they weren't chanting, rest in penis, because that would have been awkward. <laughs> that's, that's true. Awkward penises for 500, Alex. Anyway, that is going to bring us to the main event of the Perfect Ten, where we sort of throw out random topics uh, for discussion. And as always, if you're inspired to do so, feel free to hit us up on the show, rundownwrestling at gmail.com, or check out the uh, phone number at the end of the show, leave a voicemail with your thoughts. Well, this week we're say, we're discussing what is the most memorable non McFoley Hell in the Cell moment. Um, so, Jeff, what what is yours? Well, actually, I was gonna I was gonna ask if you wanted to go first because I kind of see what you put there. I, I didn't put that. That was Troy. Oh, you didn't? No, not mine. somebody else did. No. Oh, okay. Um, I I I, it was, I had it, a really hard time. He did it for down. the Rock. <laughs> um. I'm gonna. I, I narrowed it down to like a like three. I think I put. Okay, go ahead. Um, and I I'll read through them, and then I think I will pick one. Okay. Oh no, I have four, okay. but I will pick one. Okay. All right. I have um, the Edge and Taker match in the cell was really good. Um, I think when Edge the the, the big part in that match was either involving the cell when Edge speared Taker through the cell. I thought was really cool. Okay. I don't know if that's the most memorable, so I'm gonna rule that out. Okay. <laughs> Shawn Michaels. I like how you talked yourself time. out of your own option, but go ahead. This is this is why I put a couple, I, so I can hear myself say them. Um, <laughs> okay. Shawn Michaels going through the announce table on the outside. Um, and how, I think it was one of the – it might have been a cage match, but I think it was because it was like – I went I, – when I read this question, I went through www.com and I watched a bunch of like Hell in a Cell moments, and okay. this was on there, so I'm going to consider it a Hell in a Cell. Okay. Um, it was the original when Shawn Michaels going as Undertaker and he was hanging off the side of the cell and Undertaker was like stomping on his hands. Yeah, that was all the cell. The table. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, no, that that was like one of the. I think that one was really good, only because you couldn't have the Mick Foley flying off the top one. Um, the Shawn Michaels sweet chin music and Triple H pedigreeing Undertaker in the middle of the Hell in a Cell and Undertaker kicking out at WrestleMania was a pretty big one, I think. Okay. And the last one is probably just Shane McMahon jumping off the fucking cage. <laughs> okay. And he picked pick one against Kevin Owens, against The Undertaker. I mean, I, I think those... I, I think I'm probably going to end up going with 
uh, probably the Shane McMahon one, just because of the wow factor. Okay. That's a perfectly fair pick, but I would like to point out that most memorable does not always mean good. So I would submit to you <laughs> The Undertaker hanging the big boss man from the rafters after beating him in a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania. Um, horrible, horrible moment. It looked awful. It was it was terribly executed. Just everything was wrong with it. But it's the moment of Hell in a Cell I specifically remember a lot. Um, and one of the first things that popped into my head when I, when I started to come up with this topic. Uh, to your point, there were a lot of them you could point to. One of the more underrated ones, I think, was the... Um, surprisingly, one of the more intriguing Hell in a Cell matches that I can remember, the Usos versus the New Day. There was one spot in there where they got, I think it was the the New Day, I believe it was the New Day, got the Usos stuck in a corner and they sort of wedged some kendo sticks through the cage to sort of trap them like it was a um, booby trap. And I thought that was just really inventive and I really enjoyed that. I thought that was creative as hell. Um, and of course, that was like the first real major tag team title match would take place in Hell in a Cell, so I, I thought that was great. Um, and of course, I, I think we can't ever forget the notion that we have... Um, was, was it the DX shoving Vince McMahon's face into Big Show's ass? Wasn't that a Hell in a Cell match, too? Yeah. Yeah, so there was that, too. So, like I said, memorable does not always mean good. But it sticks in your head, and I guess for me, the, the big boss man hanging uh, from WrestleMania is the one that, that I remember most. It wasn't the Mick Foley spots. But if you at home have a memorable moment from Hell in a Cell that we haven't mentioned that you would like to talk about, feel free, like I said, hit us up, rundownwrestling at gmail.com, or check out the voicemail line, 61rundown7 and let us know what you think. But that's going to do it for the Perfect Ten, which means we're going to our Hell in the Cell predictions, and Troy, from his recovery bed, has been kind enough to bless us with his predictions, so we'll include them as well. But we are going to start off with the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. It's the New Day versus Rusev Day. Which day do you like better, Jeff? Uh... <sighs> I'm going to go with who I want to win this time. And I'm going to go with Rusev Day. Um, I think this, I think in the end, the Rusev Day thing is going to all, uh, culminate, culminate, oh boy, culminate to, uh, Aiden English and Rusev turning on each other. And I think, um, that would be more significant if they win the titles and then lose them. Um, I don't disagree with your premise that this is part of a Rusev Day breaking up angle, but I think it's going to be as a result of them losing this match. Um, I don't really see them taking the belts off of the New Day after just sort of putting them back on them. So I'm going to go with the New Day to retain the tag team titles in this match. Uh, that's going to take us. A boy to, can dream. That's uh, fair enough. That's going to take us to the Raw Tag Team Championships as the Dogs of War, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, defend the titles against the Shield, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Troy, oh by the way, Troy is going with New Day as well in the previous match. In this match, Troy is going with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. And what say you, Jeff? Uh, I am going to go with the Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre and. 
I think that's – I will explain more of that later. However, um, I think um, the, the, uh, uh, the main reason I'm saying is – do you hear that? I do. Oh, my God. I the just dog did, is, I, oh, has I, a hold of a toy. I thought you were jerking off. I was just going to ignore it. <laughs> that's typically the noise it makes. It's it's kind of funny. It's a weird coincidence. Um <laughs> Um, no, I'm going to go with Dolph Ziggler and Dragon for the same reason. Give me the goddamn toy. You go ahead. One second. I'm not saying anything because it's more funny to see how long it takes him to get the toy off the dog. Okay. Sorry about that. No problem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing any of this shit out. This is great. You sh- you shouldn't. He's just he's just looking at me while he's doing it too. This that's a power move though. That's yeah. like when your wife catches you jerking off and you just keep doing it till you finish, even though she's watching. It's a fucking power. Yeah, you move. You just stare right at her. Yeah, right. Um, good for the dog. Yeah, no, I, they just got the titles. I would hope after the B team had them, you can and and you can drag out this Seth Rollins Dean Ambrose thing. With them, without changing the titles, I just don't want to see. I mean, like I said, the last the Rusev Day one was because I want to see them win. This one is because I'm maybe being a little more logical about it, like you were about the New Day. I think that they should retain just to keep some credibility to the titles, even though we know Vince McMahon could give two shits about the title. Yeah, and that, that's that's a key factor when determining any tag team thing. This Vince doesn't see them as serious titles. Um, I'm going to go with McIntyre and Ziggler. Primarily, same principle. They just put the belts on them. I don't think they did that just to have this match for the titles to put them on Ambrose. And Rollins, um, I get the point that you want to maybe they want to put a belt on Ambrose so the whole Shield has something. Uh, I just don't see the need to put two belts on Rollins at this point. He just got the IC title back. So I don't think they're going to do that, but I could be wrong. I'm going with Ziggler and McIntyre here to retain as well. Um, that's going to bring us to our next match, which is the match everybody has been dying to see, or at least to see somebody die. Bri- Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella take on The Miz and Maurice. And which way are you going on this one, Jeff? Um, I think... I think... The Miz won against Daniel Bryan via shenanigans. I think the Miz is going to win again via some sort of shenanigans just to make that Daniel Bryan eventual win over the Miz all that more sweet. Um, also, I think Brie Bella is going to actually commit suicide with a suicide dive halfway through, so it'll be a two-on-one advantage. All right. Well, I'm going to say Troy, also, Troy says uh, Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella, and I'm going to agree with Troy on this one. I think the the loss to the Miz at SummerSlam was sort of the big moment. This is going to be the happy ending, husband and wife thing, and then they'll sort of do the rubber match between Daniel Bryan and the Miz in a one-on-one spot, and probably with Maurice and Brie Bella at Evolution. But I think on this particular night, I'm going with Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella. Which brings us to our next match, Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton in the match nobody cares about that's going to take place in a Hell in a Cell. And I think the only thing for certain is uh, Jeff Hardy's doing a fucking swanton off the top of that cage, isn't he? Oh, yeah. No doubt. I, I do think this will be the second death of the night. Um, and uh, You think the show's going to continue the... after the first death, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. no, the show go, must go on, yeah, did, as we've did, learned. Yeah, it did with Owen Hart, so... 
Exactly. Yeah. No, I think I think Jeff Hardy will do some crazy. Randy Orton will do his, you know, ear fucking, and Jeff Hardy will get all angry and come back and do some crazy swanton off of the top of the cage, and they'll he'll kill himself, but he'll land on top of Randy Orton and get the pin. You know, I already have a title for this week's show, but if I didn't, his crazy ear fucking would have been a great option. So I would like to thank you for that. <laughs> um, yeah, this is uh, another one that I don't really, you know, um, I, I don't really know which way to go on this one because I could see it going both ways. I'm going to say Jeff Hardy does the giant crash and burn and Randy Orton gets the win here primarily because... I think uh, Randy Orton, since turning heel, hasn't had that big sort of signature win. I think he needs one. I think Hardy wants this match sort of winding down the career, and this is the one match Hardy's never had in the Hell in a Cell that he really wants to have. And I think nothing uh, spells it's the one I want to have before I retire, like losing. So I'm going to say Randy Orton with the win here. That's just a total guess. I have no... Fair. Yeah. Just a total guess. Uh, next up, the Raw Women's Championship as Ronda Rousey takes on Alexa Bliss in a battle of who's got a sweeter ass. Um, no, it is for the Raw Women's Championship. And Rousey defending in a rematch from SummerSlam against the former champion. Jeff, who you got? Because Troy is going with Ronda Rousey to retain. I have Alexa Bliss with the sweeter ass, and I have Ronda Rousey getting the win via some perseverance, but eventually just, you know, doing her, like, for lack of a better term, lightning punches in the corner, and then uh, the same arm bar that she's been doing, where it's like, I'm going to put you in the arm bar, and they're like, no, and she's like, yeah, I am, and then she puts them in the arm bar, and they scream and tab out. Or as Chris Jericho would say, arm bar! <laughs> I think they should have Chris Jericho come. Same way Kevin Kelly used to deliver a super kick, I think Chris Jericho should come out every time she does. I go, arm bar! That's just... He could be the special guest referee. Absolutely. There you go. Why not? We're doing that. That's a regular thing now. Um, and then Sheila's cruise. Yeah, why not? Uh, so I'm going to go with Ronda Rousey here um, because I think it makes the most logical sense. We've already talked about how she's sort of at least rumored to be booked in the main event of Evolution defending the title. However, allow me to say, if you were looking for the swerve, this would be the perfect place for Natalia to turn on Rousey and cost her the title. This, this would be True. the spot to do it. Uh, maybe the whole thing with, with the main event of Evolution is sort of a red herring that they're, they're dropping out there. I maybe probably definitely giving them too much credit and saying they would do that. But um, So I'm, I'm going with Rousey here because it's the most logical choice, but... I could definitely see a scenario where, where Natalia costs Rousey the title. Um, this is probably one of the two matches I'm most interested to see as Charlotte Flair defends the Raw Women's Championship, I'm sorry, the SmackDown Women's Championship against her former BFF, Becky Lynch. Uh, Troy has chosen Becky Lynch to be our new champion. Jeff, which way are you going on this one? So... I think it was last week you had brought up the point, a week or two ago, you had brought up the point that you think this uh, this match is the perfect opportunity for um, Becky Lynch to lose on the big big match again to really like put her over the edge. And I do, I, I think that's a very, very valid argument. 
Um, however, I'm going with Becky Lynch because I think she's hotter than she's been both physically and <laughs> with the crowd um, than she's been in a very long time. And if I... I know WWE has not pulled the trigger in the past when people were really hot, uh, but I think this is this is going to be the time that they do pull that trigger, and the the crowd will go nuts for it. And I still think whoever wins this this feud can definitely continue. Well, and that's sort of my reasoning for picking Charlotte Flair here because I think this match is in fact going to continue. Uh, we know for a fact it's booked for the Australian Super Show. We know for at least hardcore rumor that it's booked for evolution as well which means if we're going three more matches i think charlotte wins here and becky perhaps has that crowning moment at evolution after a couple of failed attempts um i think that's the way i would go with it at least i think again too soon to take the title off of charlotte in the first match of this program there's much more in traditional wwe booking is they don't take the title off the champion in the first match um, there's going to be some, I don't want to say shenanigans, but think of sort of AJ and Samoa Joe from SummerSlam where there's just some craziness. They, they hate each other so much. They get out of control. Something happens outside. The physicality gets turned way up. Um, but this match could very well steal the show. I'm, I'm going to say that. Oh, yeah. The crowd is going to be really hot for this one. Yeah, I, I think it's... As it, am I. Yeah. <laughs> In a totally different way. Uh, WWE Championship on the line as AJ Styles defends that title and the honor of his wife and daughter against Samoa Joe. Troy going with AJ Styles to retain some. And uh, Jeff, which way are you going? I think that Samoa Joe will finally get that title that he so rightly deserves. Um, and via some sort of distraction, probably with his wife and daughter. And uh, he's going to choke AJ Styles out, I think. And, I mean, this feud, I think, will also continue because Styles has the rematch clause. Well, why would Styles need a rematch and, clause? Oh, oh, you have you have Joe winning the title. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I have Joe winning. So. Okay. Yes, Troy has AJ Styles retaining. I am also going to go with Samoa Joe to capture the title here. Uh, we also know that, again, the winner here is sort of immaterial because these guys are facing off again at the Super Show in Australia. Uh, I think that's Samoa Joe defending the title in AJ Styles' return match because another interesting note, also on that Australian Super Show, and we didn't mention it earlier, The Miz takes on Daniel Bryan with the winner becoming the number one contender to the SmackDown Championship. I see Daniel Bryan winning that match and a Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan program, which I think has all the money in the world behind it. Um, but that's, that's the way I see it. I think Joe wins this match. I think this is his sort of big crowning moment. Um, I don't see, I don't think I have any other titles changing hands on this show, and usually they don't do multi, too many multiple title changes within one show, at least not as of late. So I'm going to go with Samoa Joe to retain and uh, to capture the championship here, which brings us to the main oh, you're event. rhyming like he did. Yeah, what's that? I said you're rhyming like he did. Oh, did I? His little... Uh... Oh, Samoa yeah. Joe to end this. Yeah, okay. You're going to go with Samoa Joe. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I did it again. Um, and, of course, we close out with the Universal Championship, Hell in a Cell. Mick Foley as your special guest referee. Roman Reigns of The Shield defends the title against Braun Strowman of the Dogs of War. 
Troy is going to go with Roman where... Reigns to defend oh. the title to retain his title successfully. Jeff, which way are you going? <laughs> this is where the money in the bank all comes to naught as Roman Reigns will retain against Braun Strowman in probably a Braun Strowman beating the shit out of Roman Reigns the entire match, and then Roman Reigns hitting one spear in the center and pinning him for three. So, I'm going to go with Roman Reigns to defend the title here, to to successfully defend the title somehow. Um, Allow me to say this, though, and and this is where I'm going to point out a possibility or an opportunity to get incredibly creative in a way that WWE Creative will not do. I would have Roman Reigns win the Hell in a Cell match, okay? I would have the Cell come up, and then I would have one of the other guys, Ambrose, not Ambrose, um, Ziggler or or McIntyre or both, run down only to discover that this match was granted by Constable Corbin without Braun having to cash in his briefcase. He still has the briefcase. They beat down Roman. Then Strowman cashes in the briefcase. They do the huge swerve, and and Strowman walks out with the title. That would be a super compelling finish to this show. It's not going to happen, but it's how I would book it. Uh, But it's WWE creative, so Roman Reigns is going to win the match. Yeah, you took the took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say it's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. That's great, though. That's fucking fantastic. I would love to see that. Yeah, that's that's what they should do. Anyway, so we will find out next week who uh, came on top of the prediction challenge. Uh, I'm going to guess it's probably going to be me because if I don't, then I'm probably going to edit these to make it sound like I did. So uh, <laughs> ahead of time, we can just go ahead and crown me the winner. But... That is going to bring us to the indie dates, and we're going to get through them because we did truncate them last week in lieu of the four-hour all-in conversation. So we will read, oh through, we will run through these right now. And and you know what? I will say this. It was a long show last week, but went back and listened to it, and I feel like we really brought some of our A-game stuff last week. I really I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I watched through the whole thing. I have a buddy of mine who's listening to the podcast now. He watched through the whole thing. Yeah. Or he watched. He listened through the whole thing. He enjoyed it. So, I mean... If you don't like a four-hour podcast, go fuck yourself, right? right, right what am exactly. I saying? Hey, if Bruce fucking Pritchard can All do right. it, so can we, right? Exactly. All right, so Jeff, why don't you tell us about Liberty States? All right. Liberty States Wrestling returns to the John E. McCarthy Elementary School on Saturday, September 15th. Already confirmed a match for the vacant LSW tag titles as the main state posse, Danger Kid and Aiden Agro, take on former champions... Fabulously unequal Johnny Vegas and that piece of shit Todd Sokol. Also on the show, Liberty States Wrestling Heavyweight Champion Vern Baikala will issue an open challenge. Also appearing, Setherin, Vanity Vixen, Brett Domino, Dan Terry, and more. Doors open at 6.30, bell times at 7. Tickets are just $10 at the door. All right, the stars of Brew City Wrestling return on Saturday, September 22nd to the Elks Lodge 2301 Springdale Road in Waukesha, Wisconsin with Fall Frenzy. Bell time is set for 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 6.45 and tickets are $20 reserved ringside and advance $16, which can be purchased on Brew City Wrestling 1, the number 1, dot com or $18 at the door, and children 10 or and under are only $10. Already signed for this show, a first blood match, which is exactly what you want to take those kids to see. Tyler Sullivan 
with Kevin Sullivan, no relation, I believe, take on Sean Priest. The Bruce City Wrestling Women's Championship will be defended as Blue Phoenix. Vanessa Azur defends the title against Evil Sierra. Bruce City Wrestling Tag Team Championship is going to be defended as the Axemen defend against the Rage. Also, maybe appearing, no. <laughs> More fandomonium matches to be announced soon. Check out Bruce City Wrestling, the number one dot com, or go to Bruce City Wrestling on Instagram. Uh, Bruce City Wrestling on Instagram or at BCW1 on Twitter or Bruce City Wrestling 1 on Facebook. Was that you, Jeff? Yes, yes, it was. That was fucking nice. <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Elk Mania Promotions returns to the Beverly Salem Elks Lodge on Saturday, September 22nd, as we go all in with Aces Wild. This event is a fundraiser for the Children's Miracle Network with support from Extra Life, which unites video game players from around the world to support their local children's hospital. Aces Wild will host a double main event of professional wrestling action. Insane Dick Lane will defend the All-Star Championship against the former TNA Impact Wrestling superstar Robbie E. Insane Derek Simonetti. <laughs> Derek Simonetti will defend the Bay State Championship against the 2018 North Shore Rumble winner, the brute Kevin Giles, with Mr. Chad Epic. You know, I've been in the, the breakdown Alley lane Cat. before. I don't think I ever have been in the dick lane, and I'm not sure I want to. Oh, well, you haven't. You don't know until you try. That's true, I guess. Um, the Alley Cat, Delilah Hayden, will take on the suplex sweetheart, Isana, with piece of shit Todd Sopel as special guest referee. The New England. No, Chad no, I'm sorry. Champions. That's a typo. That's 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 not no. That was a typo. That's not. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I... Card subject to so, change. So, no, 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 no uh, handsome gentleman Todd Sopel will be appearing. No. Um, the New England Tag Team Champions, the Middle Sex, Sex Express, the Ace Mike Montero, and more are scheduled to appear in Beverly on September 22nd. Tickets reserved front row $15. Available at, I'm going to read all of this just to prove a point, <laughs> HTTPS colon backslash backslash square up dot com slash store slash elkmania dash promotions advanced general and, and parentheses general oh it, yeah the, there was it, no start parentheses, parentheses so <laughs> advanced general admissions ten dollars general admission at the door twelve dollars ten dollars advanced general admission tickets are on sale at silver moon comics and collectibles in salem massachusetts and paper asylum in beverly massachusetts all right, ICW returns on Thursday, September 27th to the La Pica Lounge. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. with a 7.15 p.m. bell time. All tickets are $15. Ringside can be reserved by request. And this card, much like Alexa Bliss, is stacked. The main event, the ICW alternative title, it's a kitchen insanity match as the Dark Prophet, Oren Veet, takes on the hated one, Kato, with Miss Hatred. The ICW world title will be defended as the zombie princess, Jimmy Jacobs, takes on the Greek franchise, GQ Giannis, who Giannis, of course, is the defending champion. In a 10-man tag survivor match, Insane Evil Threat, the Insane Evil Threat Dis, Chase McCoy and Sierra, what the fuck, is this fucking English? The Insane Evil Threat Dis, <laughs> Chase McCoy and Sierra, Special Forces Garrison Creed and Corporal Robinson versus Rico de las Vegas, uh, I don't know, 
and the Caribbean Connection, Straight Hatred, Jack Blackwell, and Zach McGuire with Miss Hatred. There is a number one contender's world title. I'm guessing it's a number one contender's match for the world title. It's not what it says. Joey the Jet Avalon takes on the Marman and Mario Andrew Curvello. Curvello? I think I'm pronouncing that right. ICW Tag Team title on the line is the Bear Kingdom. Juan Hernandez and Oso Turco take on the Foley brothers, Mo Foley and Pitstain. The Ghetto Booty, Killer Kaz Carter. All right, that's just way too many nicknames. Seriously. Yep. Is it Pit? Is it also Pitstain Foley? That's his name? I believe so, yeah. Hmm. What? Do you know, do you know another Pitstain? No, like, I was just curious. It sounds just, just like, I mean, I know a Pitstain Jones. I just want to make sure it wasn't the same guy, you know? Uh, <laughs> okay, so Ghetto Booty, Killer Kaz Carter... And Johnny Swashbuckle, which sounds like a name we would make up at the end of this show, uh, versus Just Saying, Simon it's, Says, and Jacob Hoffman. Uh, the Odd Couple... Johnny Impact's uh, it's his new persona. Yeah, Johnny Analog. Uh, the Odd Couple, Doc Simons and Derek St. Holmes, take on Aesop Mitchell and Tyler Sullivan. Check out Facebook.com slash ICW Milwaukee for more info. That's going to do it for this edition of The Rundown, September 13th. It's been like three minutes since Jeff referred to Todd Sopel by a very negative name. Uh, and it's... <laughs> Uh, it's been three days since Adam announced a new Patreon series that will probably only air once. But it is up there now. And so. you're never going to get me with those Todd Sopel things, because I'll just always read them. <laughs> well, I just sort of think that, like, you're, you're my, um, oh, God, what am I, um, shit, uh, Ron Burgundy, where I just put it on the prompter and you'll read it, so. Ah. Uh. I mean, oh, yeah, that's me. Well, Troy puts it on the prompter and you read it, but in any event, that. <laughs> It's going to do it for the rundown. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at Rundown Podcast, or you can go to Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling and like us there. You can email the show, as I said, rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967. That is 61-RUNDOWN7. We're on Patreon. Head over to the rundown, patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. Currently, we have two reward levels. You can check them out when you get there. Uh, just dropped a new series, uh, patron-exclusive series, hosted by Adam. Uh, as well, all patrons will receive early access to shows on the Rundown feed, and there is a level which allows you a guest spot on any of our Rundown shows, or just email the show like Jeff does, and we'll just put your ass on the show anyway. Listen to our friends the Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing with new podcasts every Monday. Visit Facebook.com slash the WPAN or the WPAN.com. Also, check out our friend Justin Michaels on his show, Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. Go to ToughTV.com to stream it live. Also, stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear all of our shows. NXT Revisited, the Rundown Sit-Down, eventually. WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Shtick, and a brand new show to the network, the Nitromania Podcast. You can follow our hosts, and this list has gotten very, very long. At J Stewart zero nine two zero, that is J S T U A R T zero nine two zero. At Rockstar Troy, at the Surprise Erection, at the Nitromania Pod, at WrestleMania was an inside sal. At Johnny Analog, at Joker's Wild seven zero two. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jeff for sitting in place of Troy, who we hope gets better soon. And uh, next week. 
we will bring you our recap of Hell in a Cell, and we will tell you why it sucked balls, because I'm sure they're going to find a way to make it suck balls, the biggest of balls. It will suck them all. But until then, we will see you next Thursday. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and thanks to Claus and Adam Salzer's will forced to continue to operate under the management of Jason Stewart and Troy Bozen. It is produced and edited by Three Monkeys with Erections. This episode was hosted by Jason Stewart and Mayhem Jeffrey Mayhew. We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network, which believes that the 10th episode of a podcast is a debut. Check out all other episodes debuting soon on thequestandnetwork.com and tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.